The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Tell you about the Parliament of the World's Religions, which I attended uh, in mid-October in Salt Lake City. Has anybody heard of it? Really? Great. Yes? Oh, my goodness. That's the... Really? Yeah. Who went? Great. Um, That's very unusual because just about everyone I have mentioned it to has never heard of it. (laughs) The first parliament was held in 1893 in Chicago. And there was not another parliament for a hundred years. And then in 1993, thanks, uh, another gathering was held in Chicago. And since then, it's been meeting about every six years. Um, In 1999, it was in Cape Town, South Africa. In 2004 or 2005, it was in Barcelona. And uh, 2009, it was in Melbourne, Australia. And then this year in Salt Lake City. And I've known about the Parliament for some years. Um, when I learned it was going to be in practically in my backyard, I thought now was the time to go. It's the largest interfaith gathering ever. <laughs> there were between nine and 10,000 people. And the idea, of course, is to bring the world's religions together to, as I think, both a demonstration to the world and an experience of the harmony of the possibility of the world's religions working together. The Dalai Lama says, if the world's religions can't get along, how do we expect anybody else to? And I think that's a very important point. If people of faith can't get along, how can we expect anybody else to get along? So I'll read you the mission of the parliament. The parliament of the world's religions was created to cultivate harmony among the world's religions and spiritual communities and foster their engagement with the world and its guiding institutions in order to achieve a just, peaceful, and sustainable world. To accomplish this, we invite individuals and communities who are equally invested in attaining this goal. I I think actually it was very much a self-selected group, a self-selecting 
group, um, even though even though everyone may be invited, of course, not everyone of different religious or spiritual traditions is interested in meeting with other traditions. Um, Some traditions are not interested in learning about other traditions or interested in, um, in working together. And so this was a group of people who by their own choice were interested in pursuing this goal. So the vision for the parliament. The vision of the parliament of the world's religions is of a just, peaceful, and sustainable world in which religious and spiritual communities live in harmony and contribute to a better world from their riches of wisdom and compassion. Religious and cultural fears and hatreds are replaced with understanding and respect. People everywhere come to know and care for their neighbors. The richness of human and religious diversity is woven into the fabric of communal, civil, societal, and global life. The world's most powerful and influential institutions move beyond narrow self-interest to realize common ground. The earth and all life are cherished, protected, healed, and restored. All people commit to living out their highest values and aspirations. And I have to say that that vision was very much in evidence throughout the five days that I was there. There were about five overall topics that were addressed, including global warming. Uh, equality among people, economic disparity, um, a sustainable world, and what's the other? The major issues of our time. And many of the speakers, I would have to say all of the speakers, were quite vocal and quite strong in, in their description, pronouncement of the difficulties that we face in our world right now. Um, at the same time, there was a very strong sense that we as a faith community, as faith communities, can come together and have a major impact. 
This is one reason I'm talking about it. It was very much a sense that, okay, this has been a nice five days, but now go home and get to work. So there was that sense of optimism, in a way, that, that we as a caring community can have an impact, can have an effect, especially working together. And as you can imagine, it was very rich, very exciting, very wonderful to see 9,500 people um, from all across the world, something like 80 countries, 50 religions represented, mingling, eating together, going to presentations together, and obviously enjoying each other. Not that everybody agreed on everything, for sure, but there was that sense of mutual respect and honoring. There was a pretty strong Buddhist uh, representation, not so much Theravada, but um, Tibetan, there was a large Tibetan presence, uh, some Zen. In fact, I have to tell you a funny little story. When I first got there and I went in to register, the first thing I saw in this big room was a Buddhist concession. That is an area where they were selling Tibetan Buddhist artifacts. And I thought, well, this is pretty interesting. So I went up to the monks that were there and said that I was Buddhist and that I was surprised to see, first off, a Buddhist concession. I said, you know, as Buddhists, we live a simple life. We aim for simplicity. And the first thing I see as I walk in is a Buddhist concession stand. Well, the monk I was talking to sort of laughed and said, well, you know, we have to support ourselves. There were, you know, that wasn't the only concession. There were many, many booths for different religions. It just struck me that, that of all traditions, I would not have expected a Buddhist <laughs> booth or concession to be the most obvious. But I think the strongest experience was what's called Langer, L-A-N-G-A-R. And this was the service provided by the Sikh community. We often say Sikh, but they pronounce it Sikh. Who served a free vegan lunch, excellent lunch, every day to as many people as wanted it. Several thousand, not everybody, but several thousand partook. 
And it was an extraordinary experience. Such a display of generosity. We would line up and there would be a line way down the hall, as you can imagine. And we were met, as we came into the hall, with such warmth and welcoming and gratitude. We were actually thanked for coming. Everyone sat on the floor in rows. The idea being that we're all equal. And it was said, doesn't matter if you're a king or vagabond, everybody sits together on the floor, except those that are disabled or elderly, and there were tables for them. But otherwise, the rest of us all sat in rows on the floor. And we were served. There were people that came by every few seconds offering us more food. It was all delicious Indian food. And, you know, was my main meal of the day. It was such an opportunity to be together, to share, to experience this generosity. And I was told by somebody that worldwide the six feed six million people a day. That's kind of hard to believe. But that is one of their main practices. And so there's a Gudwaran in San Jose that where you can get lunch and dinner every day of the week. You don't have to be sick. <laughs> you can just go there and be served. It's quite an amazing practice. So the meal was supposed to be from 11.30 to 2.30. And somebody told me she went about 2.30 or after, and they were still serving. And they kept serving as long as people were coming. The food didn't run out. And in fact, after everybody had been served, they took leftovers to the homeless um, shelters. Apparently, Salt Lake has a very good program for homeless people. And so they would bring all this food to the shelters. The most amazing generosity I think I have ever experienced. Quite, quite an experience for all of us. Compassion may have been the overriding outstanding theme for the Parliament. And you may know the name Karen Armstrong. Karen is a former Catholic nun, lives in England, has written several books. She's quite a scholar. And she came up a few years ago with the Compassion Proclamation. She discovered through her studies that compassion was common to all religious, spiritual traditions. And so she thought one way of bringing everyone together was to create this compassion proclamation 
and have people sign it. And many, many thousands of people have signed it. She was actually awarded um, one of the uh, one of the honorary awards for her work in the field of interfaith and bringing people together. There were many big name speakers. Jane Goodall was there. Um, Al Gore's daughter <laughs> MC'd one of the plenaries and there was a video of Al Gore. The Dalai Lama was supposed to be there, but as you may know, um, when he went to the Mayo Clinic here, he was told that he should go home and rest. So he did that, and um, there was a video of him. There were many people many um, many people from many different traditions that are quite vocal about the needs of the world and how we must come together to address those needs. There were many indigenous groups from all over the world that spoke of and demonstrated um, some of their earth-based practices. There was an impassioned plea by one man from Canada um, about the um, XL Keystone Pipeline, which of course at that time was still a question. And he spoke of the tar sands in Canada from where the oil is being extracted and the devastation that it has created. And how his community that lives on one of the rivers is being polluted. And it was a plea for us to please not allow this to continue. There were indigenous people from, as I say, all over that spoke of their concern of the destruction of our earth. And they showed us rituals, the way they honor, the way they see the earth as our mother, as our home, and how they honor her. Somebody said, What do we need from nature? Everything. What does nature need from us? Nothing. (laughs) 
I'm not sure that's entirely true. But the point is that we are totally dependent on the natural world. We are totally dependent on Mother Earth for our being. And if we don't protect her, if we don't take care of her, it is we that will suffer. The earth will go on, but the human race may not. And that has become a real question that at this point at least is not answerable. We may not. And it is up to us. If we are to go on, it is up to us to pay attention to what we are doing and to rectify many of the ways that we are are literally destroying our home. So that was a very strong um, theme, issue, throughout the Parliament. Another very outstanding event was a concert of sacred music on Sunday evening in the Mormon tabernacle. I don't know if any of you have been to the tabernacle, but that's where the Mormon tabernacle choir sings. So it's a a huge, um, round building with, of course, wonderful acoustics. And this concert involved... I don't know how many, it went on for three hours. Many, many different vocal, um, dancing, uh, drumming, um, Buddhist, Hindu, uh, a a youth multi-faith choir, Sikh, Jainism, Baha'i choir, Cambodian Buddhist, Burundi drum group, whirling dervishes, just about every tradition was represented in some way or another. And as far as I know, the parliament got very little of any publicity. But I did see Monday morning in the Salt Lake paper, a nice picture and article about the concert on Sunday night. So that was, that was very nice to see. And to see, to enjoy and appreciate all of the different expressions from the different communities um, of their way of honoring their tradition or their way of honoring their spiritual practice and honoring the traditions from which they have come. I was told that that the tabernacle was offered freely, that there was no charge for using it. I was also told that the convention hall, which is called the Salt Palace, was offered for one dollar. 
So these were both wonderful contributions to the entire parliament. On Friday night, I went to what's called a Kabbalat Shabbat. Um, the Jewish, um, the beginning of the Jewish Sabbath. And it was held in an Episcopal church and included an hour and a half of singing singing by the rabbi and the cantor and many of, um, many of the songs, including us, the participants. That was a very, very moving um, hour and a half. Lovely music, uh, an incredibly loving and giving female rabbi. I, I experienced at least three really outstanding female rabbis during the, the five days. And uh, the cantor told us that other Christian groups had wanted to use that church that night and that they turned them all down and let the Jews use it. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but it's a nice, a nice story. Oh, I also one day heard a new symphony that was written um, on the four Brahma Viharas. You may know the Brahma Viharas are loving kindness, compassion, empathetic joy, and equanimity. And some a composer has put to music the idea of these four Brahma Viharas. That was very nice. The most challenging event for me was I went to see a movie called Nuclear Savage, Project 4.1. Does anybody know anything about it? It was about the nuclear testing that the U.S. did in the Marshall Islands in the 40s and 50s. Um, most of it was top secret, has only recently uh, the information been released. But essentially what our country did was use the people of the Marshall Islands as human guinea pigs to see what the effect of radiation would be. And of course, as you can imagine, there were horrible effects. Birth defects, radiation sickness, burns, cancer, uh, incredible deaths. And unfortunately, the main island is still not inhabitable. It is still uh, hot, <laughs> full of radiation. And we as a country have not made adequate reparations 
to those people. We've been a bit duplicitous, um, telling them at one point it was safe go back to go back, and they went back, and then no, 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 it's not safe, and and they were moved again. It's certainly. Uh, it certainly was disappointing to me, upsetting, and renewed, I guess, my commitment to um, zero nuclear weapons. We, we, cannot, we cannot afford for any country to have nuclear weapons. If we were to have a nuclear war, it would destroy the earth. And it was assumed in the, during the Cold War that because both the Soviet Union and the U.S. had nuclear weapons that there was what was called uh, mutual assured destruction, right? And that was to keep us from, both of us, from starting a war. But I think the reality is now that we're beyond that and that there is no no reason now it is it is not a possibility it is not realistic to have any nuclear weapons at this time so there is a strong movement to um, to get rid of all nuclear weapons so I wonder if if either of you would like to add anything from what your friends have said? No? Did they have... Um, I, I heard some stories about what, what he experienced, what my friend experienced at, at the conference, but I think you covered some of what he said, and I don't remember very much. <laughs> Do you want to add anything? Well, does anybody have a question? Questions? Mm-hmm. You want to pass it? No. Hello. Um. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, um, I, what I was saying is, thank you for this talk. This is really interesting. Um, and I'm curious. You mentioned that there were um, a lot of groups that came in. There were some that did not. And I'm I'm curious to hear your opinions on ways that we can start connecting with those groups, um, ways that we can kind of, I, you know, a part of me is like, it would be really nice to just like reach out and give them a big hug and say, come here, you're like part of us. Um, but obviously, you know, it, there's also this respect of like, this is, you know, their choice whether or not to engage with other groups. Right, um, right. And so there's this kind of interesting balance and I'm, I'm I'm curious on what your opinion is and how we can strike that and possibly help the situation. Boy, that's that's a huge question. <laughs> I don't know that I have the answer. 
I have a couple of thoughts. Um, one is that we be as inclusive as possible in every way ourselves so that we don't fall into the trap of, of a we and they, um, even if other people do, <laughs> you know, that we don't do that. Uh, you know, there are those groups that absolutely believe they have the truth. And because of that, they see no need and have no interest in gathering with other people and trying to understand them or have a dialogue or anything. Um, I think that makes it very challenging, very, very difficult. How do we reach out? I guess, you know, we can keep reaching and keep offering and not close ourselves off, not close the door. Um, But understand that they may not respond. So I am part of a group in San Jose called Islamic Networks Groups. And I do from time to time interfaith panels. We go to schools, mostly high school, college, sometimes junior high or middle school, uh, sometimes service groups. And um, ideally there's five of us, the five major world religions, uh, Christian, Muslim, Jew, Hindu, and Buddhist. And when the students do evaluations, invariably what they say is that the strongest or the most outstanding thing they got from the panel was seeing the five of us up there, obviously getting along, (laughs) obviously enjoying each other, because we know each other, we do these panels, we know each other, and we respect each other, that's why we do these panels. And no matter what we say, that visual of the five of us up there is the strongest um, thing, the impression they come away with. So I think it matters that we do have these gatherings. They don't all have to be nine or ten thousand, but you know that in other ways I'm also part of the Silicon Valley Interreligious Council. And we meet usually about once a month um, in various spiritual venues. And again, it's a self-selecting group, you know. Nobody has to come. Um, every, it's open to everybody, but not everybody comes. Another experience I had one day at Langer at lunch, I was talking with a woman who, was, who had brought six interns from her college in Indiana. And one of them, a male, was um, uh, a fundamentalist, um, evangelical. And she said he was having a very difficult time. She said she thought the experience would be life-altering for him. But he he was finding it difficult. 
in part at least because he felt um, attacked. Now, I'm sure nobody was actually attacking him, you know, or attacking evangelicalism. But because, I have to say, the whole atmosphere was very progressive, very liberal, um, and I mean that in the general sense of those words, you know. Um, and because many of the issues that were being talked about were, were not what goes on in his community. Fortunately, he had the support of the other five um, interns that were with him. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> we do what we can do, and perhaps the most important thing, as I say, is that we don't close off, that we don't push anybody away, even if they want to push us away, <laughs> even if they think we're crazy or they don't want to be part of us, that... You know, like Jack Cornfield says, that we don't close our hearts. Do you have any thoughts or personally? Uh-huh. Gosh. Um <laughs> uh. I don't think there's anything I can add. Like I think that's a wise approach and it's it's one of those things where I'm always like it, I always wish I can do more and I know that that's in some there's some realities in which that's not possible and it's difficult for me to be with sometimes so thank you yeah yeah yes my questions both about the parliament and your local group um, because you're in both cases, there's there's a concerted effort to be open and accepting and and uh, to anybody of any persuasion. Right. Um, but many of the things that you talked about, I guess I have questions. Was there an effort made to try to reflect both sides on issues, um, so that people that disagreed on issues that were in the world uh, would feel included? I'll pick on one. Okay. I, I happen to be from. You mentioned the, the the tar sands and the Exxon mm -hmm. pipeline, mm -hmm. which I think are all a bad idea. But the tar sands are in Canada, and they're going to be mined, even though the the pipeline's not going to be built. So they're really not they're really not connected. <laughs> but if the if the position was only taken that how bad that was, it, it might have alienated some people. And, and I'm sure that's true of all many 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 topics so I guess I'm asking is there an effort made to to keep people feeling included uh, not specifically in the way you're suggesting <laughs> um, but many of these issues were not debates they were presentations and this was a plea by this indigenous man from this indigenous community. So there wasn't anybody or any way to disagree with him or, you know. 
I know that that people disagreed with many things that were said. You know, my roommate uh, told me a couple times that she left presentations because she didn't <laughs> agree with what was being said. Yeah. I think the main aim was to to bring before us the major issues that we're dealing with in the world right now and not so much um, in other words you know there's there's a concern about the sustainability of the earth and there are a lot of ways we can address it and a lot of I don't know about a lot but some disagreement as you're suggesting about something like the pipeline people that that are concerned about it can disagree about what's the best approach, etc. And I think the parliament was more about bringing it forth and then encouraging us to go back and work. But we weren't told, of course, how to do that. That would be up to each one of us. But more um, uh, bring this back to your communities and sort of make sure they wake up, that we have a responsibility, that we can't just, you know, meditation is important, but we have to get off the cushion too and get active. Or, or like church on Sunday morning, you know, it's wonderful, it's fine to go to church, but then what about the rest of your life? That kind of thing. Does that, does that answer it? Sort of. <laughs> it's not a satisfactory answer, but yes, it's an answer. Because it basically says they kind of self-selected uh, uh, mostly a particular view. And people that weren't of that orientation did not feel included. Well, so if, yeah, if somebody, if somebody didn't think that sustainability of the earth was important... Yeah, they wouldn't have felt very comfortable. <laughs> Anybody else before we close? Hmm? <laughs> it's nine o'clock, is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah, I, I know it is. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you all for your attention, and I'll be around if anybody wants uh, to discuss or has a question.